Unworthy am I of the grace that he gave. Unworthy to hold to his hands. Amazed that a king would reach down to a slave. This love I cannot understand. Unworthy. Unworthy. A beggar. mercy has made me his own. My sorrow and sickness laid stripes on his back. My sin caused the blood that was shed. My faults and my failures have woven a crown of thorns that he wore on his head. Unworthy, unworthy, a beggar in bondage and alone. But he made me worthy, and now, by his grace, his mercy has made me his own. Unworthy am I of the glory to come. Unworthy with angels to sing. Lord, I thrill just to know that he loved me so much. Hey, I'm a pauper, and yet I walk with the King. Unworthy, unworthy, I'm a beggar in bondage and alone, but he made me worthy, and now by his grace, his mercy has made me his own. hope that you have that testimony this morning. And uh, I'm so thankful to have Brother Jack Lawson with us today. I stated earlier in the first service, he is one of my mentors. I've been privileged to serve under three pastors in my ministry, and he was one of them. From each one, I learned something very special. And uh, it's interesting, his sermon this morning 
is what I learned from him is that you got to be in the Word. Brother Jack, I want you to come share with us this morning, sir. Amen. I told him by the first service he had a countdown, but we don't count that in the second service. No trap door. Okay. Thank you, Brother Corey. I don't like this guy. I'm just going to tell you, I don't like him. You know why I don't like him? Because he can sing. Amen. Brother Corey, that was special, brother. Special. I've enjoyed the service. We had a great time this morning, and I appreciate this man. I really do. I mentioned this earlier here, Miss Carla, the whole family. They've been a blessing to me. I appreciate the way God has used him here. I have watched this church from its inception. Amen. I've been here the whole, I've known, been around the whole 10 years that you've been in existence, and it is phenomenal what the Lord has done. Amen. How far he's brought you in these years. And I'm persuaded it's all because of this man and his love for the Lord. He mentioned this morning that uh, he was under my influence. I was one of his ministers, and I was kind of, I'll take the blame. Amen. I'll gladly take credit for this man and how far along he's come. I appreciate Houston Baptist Church and everyone that makes it up, and it's an honor for me to be here today. Let me just start off this way. How many of you remember Red Skelton? Amen. Man, he was a real comedian, amen? Freddie the Freeloader and Clem Cadevil and Hopper and all that stuff. He talked about uh, Gertrude and Heathcliff. He was a real comedian. But in his shows, he usually did a monologue somewhere along in it. And I remember one time he stepped up to do his monologue, and he started talking about it, and as he was doing it, he had a tissue in his hand. And he'd tear off a piece of that tissue and stuck it in his ear. He talked a little bit, tore off another piece, stuck it in his ear. He did that several times. And then he said, I, wonder, I know you're wondering why I'm sticking this tissue in my ear. He said, the reason I am, I've already heard this, and I don't care for it. <laughs> <clears throat> so if you were here at the first service, we got tissue we can pass out. <laughs> All right. But uh, I mentioned this morning that I'm going to be speaking on a very familiar passage of Scripture. I know many of you remember those Bible stories that you first learned when you started the church, like uh, David and Bathsheba, like uh, the Hebrew children in the burning fiery furnace, Jonah in the wheel, Daniel in the lion's den. And then there's one called David and Goliath. David and Goliath. I am going to be preaching on that one this morning. David and Goliath. So if you have your Bible with you, turn with us to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter number 17. The book of 1 Samuel, chapter 17. I also mentioned this morning that there's, in the secular world, they say that familiarity breeds contempt. And I guess in the secular world, that's true to an extent. But it's certainly not true when it comes to the Word of God. You need to become more and more familiar with the Word of God. Amen. You cannot 
fathom the depths of it. No matter how many times you read a passage of scripture, sometimes you come back to it and you see things you never saw before. I mentioned this morning, my wife and I lived in Loganville for several years. We traveled back and forth to Jefferson, 24 mile trip, 30 minutes each way. We did it twice on Sunday, once on Wednesday, and a lot of times during the week. And especially when she was riding with me, she, was, she always observed things around her. But on occasion, after we'd made that trip many times, she would say, hey, look at that. I never noticed that before. Never noticed it. Although we'd made that trip many times. You'll find that to be true in the Word of God. As you read it, oftentimes you'll say, hmm, I've read that many times, but I've never noticed that before. This happened to me as I was reading this passage of scripture some time ago. You probably maybe had noticed it, but I never had really paid attention to it. It was just one of those things we kind of skimmed over and uh, left it behind. I'll share that with you in just a few moments. But if you found your place in 1 Samuel chapter 17, would you bow your heads together with us and let us ask God's blessing upon the service. Father, we need you this morning. I cannot depend upon myself. I have to lean upon you. And Lord, I ask you this morning to give me that unction from the Holy One. Let me sense your spirit here with us. Let me hear that still, small voice of God as you speak to me. And just use me as your spokesman this morning, that I might proclaim, thus saith the Lord God. And Lord, I ask you to use the message that you've given unto me for the purpose whereunto you've sent it. Perhaps that's one here that does not know thee in the free pardon of sin. Would you bring them under Holy Ghost conviction? Save them today. And then, Lord, we ask you especially to speak to your children. Let us, like John of old, snuggle up close to you. Lean our head on your bosom. Know the very heartbeat of God. Lord, would you just give us those things that we need today. Lord, and help us to go forth then when we leave this service and be better servants of you. Just whatever you do today, we'll thank you, we'll praise you, for we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to be reading a portion of this passage of scripture today, and uh, I'm not going to read the whole chapter, although we're going to be kind of be covering it in the course of my message. You might remember that uh, there's a battle set in array. Israel on one side and the Philistines on the other side. Down in the valley, there's this big giant defying the armies of the living God and said, send us your champion to come out and fight with me. And of course, the challenge went on and on, and yet it was unanswered. David, that morning, had gotten up thinking he was going out and tend the sheep as usual, but his father sent him on a journey. He said, take these things and go up and see your brothers. They're up at the battle. Take these to them. David arrived on the scene and saw what was taking place there. This big man down in the valley defying the armies and challenging them to send their champion down to do battle with him. David inquired about it and asked what will be done for the man that goes down and fights him. They told him. I'm going to pick up the story as we did this morning in verse number 31 and read a few verses of scripture. And when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul 
and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he is a man of war from his youth. David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept thy father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him, and smote him, and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by the beard, and smote him, and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. And Saul armed David with his armor, and he put a helmet of brass upon his head, and also he armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor, and he assuaged to, to go, for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. But David put them on him, off him. And he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had even in a scrip. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. I'll leave off reading right there. I've read you a passage of scripture that I want to get to. Do I need to adjust the mic any? I'm getting a little feedback. I don't know if y'all are or not. Uh, they, these hearing aids I have, I never know what they're going to do. I, I'll just throw this in right quick. I've mentioned this several times recently. September the 2nd, just a few weeks from now, a few days from now, it'll be 61 years since I met this girl at the altar and exchanged vows with her. I promised her that I would love her, honor her, and keep her till death do us part. I have fulfilled my marriage vow. I have loved her till death do us part. <laughs> but let's get back to this. <laughs> Here is a passage of scripture that we indeed are very familiar with. I want to take it this morning and maybe show you some things from it. Some things I learned. Maybe you've already seen them. Maybe you haven't. But I want us to take a, a fresh look at this. Called, we can talk about David and Goliath. I want to say, as before I get into the message, it goes beyond David and Goliath. There are some others involved in this. There are some other things that we probably need to mention when we talk about the story of David and Goliath. First of all, let me say this. David, as you know, is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's a picture of that one that went down into the valley and fought with the giant for us. Goliath, of course, is a picture of the God of this world that needs to be defeated. But I want us to take just a little bit of a look at David. I'm going to tell you, before I get into the my main focus is going to be shifted away from David. And it's not going to be upon Goliath. It's going to be on something other than that. 
And I have permission from the Lord to shift my focus away from the Lord Jesus Christ. Although he always ought to be the center of all of our attention. But I do want to dwell on him for just a moment or two. First of all, in that passage of scripture that I read, I want you to know this his unspotted record. Unspotted record. He is undefeated. He talked about to Saul. He said there was this lion came and a bear came and took one of the flock. And I went to each one of them and I took the lamb from their mouth and slew them. I defeated them. Every enemy that had ever come up against David to this point in time, he had defeated. And I can report to you this morning that we've got a greater than David that has never lost a battle. Amen. His, he has an unspotted record. He has uh, never been defeated by anyone and never will be. The victory is already his and it's already yours and mine. But David had an unspotted record, an unblemished record. But I want you to notice something else about this. I want you to notice the selected resources, the selected resources that he had. He looked at Saul, and Saul had given him all of this armor to put on. If you look back at verse 18, I won't read it again, but Saul armed him with all of his armor. He gave him his shield, he gave him everything, the coat of mail and everything. But David said, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And he said, I, I, he didn't say it, but he, in the next verse it tells us, what kind of resources that David wanted to fight with this king. Notice verse number 40. And this is where my whole sermon is going to come from this morning. Verse number 40. And he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and <clears throat> put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had even in a scrip. And his sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. He has rejected Saul's armor. He has rejected those resources that come from that portion. But he has chosen some things for himself. Now I want you to notice these resources that David had. He said, first of all, in this passage of scripture, he took his staff in his hand. His staff in his hand. What is that staff? It's that staff that the shepherds had. The shepherd's crook, it's called oftentimes. It, uh, as far as David is concerned, it identified him as a shepherd. And it was his symbol of authority. Just as the king's scepter identified him as a king and was a symbol of his authority, the shepherd's staff was David's symbol of authority. He had authority over the flock that his father had given him to tend. Whenever he led that flock, nobody ever questioned whether he had the right to do it or not. He had the authority. He could lead that flock where he wanted to, feed them where he wanted to, do whatever he wanted to with them. But as he's going down to fight Goliath, it's also his symbol of authority from God. He said, my God will deliver you into my hands this day. You can rant and rave all you want to, but I've got the authority to come down and do battle with you. So he had the staff, which was his symbol of authority. On down in the verse, he said he took, he had his sling was in his hand. The staff is in one hand, 
the sling is in the other. As the staff is a symbol of authority, the sling is a symbol of ability. It's that sling that is going to supply the power to send the, the stone that's going to defeat Goliath. So he has authority and he has the uh, ability to do this. But he also, it says in that passage of scripture, uh, put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had even a script. He had his staff, he had his sling, and he had the script of the shepherd's bag. That morning when he got up, I'm sure as he did every day when he was going out to tend the sheep of his father, he made sure all the supplies he would need would be in that shepherd's bag, that script. He would have the, uh, all the things necessary to tend to the sheep and even probably his own lunch in there. He had everything he needed to go out and be a shepherd that day and tend the flock. But this day, it's not going to be a shepherd's bag. It's going to be a soldier's bag. That shepherd's bag is going to be transformed into a soldier's bag. Now, he has his staff. He has the authority. He has the sling. He's got the ability. But he is lacking something. What does he need other than the authority and the ability? He needs some ammunition. Amen. He needs some ammunition. There is no ammunition in the bag. He didn't leave to go out and fight a giant that day. But he needs some ammunition. He's got the authority. He's got the ability. He needs some ammunition. Can I ask you a question right quickly before we go any further? Do you think there's any giants in Jackson County? Do you think there's any giants in Houston? Do you think there's any giants in America today that needs their voice to be silenced? That God needs someone in some way to silence their voice? I think so myself. And where or how is that going to happen? How is God going to do that? He is going to need something. The shepherd is going to need some ammunition. What is he going to use? Look back at that verse again. Verse number 40. And he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook. Five smooth stones. That's what arrested my attention that day so many years ago. As I was going through this. Five smooth stones. I thought to myself, you know, I've read over this so many times. I preached from this passage of scripture. All my focus in the past has been on, on David and Goliath. But uh, that day, I became obsessed with these stones. These stones. What is David needing? He's needing some stones. Where is he going to find them? Before I get into that, let me clarify something with you. We talked about David being a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. We talked about Goliath being a type of the God of this world, our enemy. What are these stones a type of? These stones have to represent something. Can I just quote you a passage of scripture? Peter talks about ye as lively or living stones. He's talking about Christians. He's talking about you and I that are priests of God. And he says that we are lively or living stones built up into a house for God. 
We are the stones. We are the stones. Peter, one day when he was before the Lord, when he was still Simon, Jesus said unto him, Thou no longer Simon, thou art Peter, meaning a rock. When Jesus was going into Jerusalem and they were all giving praise, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. They told him to hold their peace and Jesus said, Oh no. If they held their peace, even the stones, the rocks would cry out. I can say to you this morning that God, like David was that day, is looking for some stones he can use to silence the voice of the giants that are in our land. Where is he going to find them? Where is he going to find them? Let me ask you this question. Do you remember uh, the scene that's there, I set it up for you a few moments ago. On one mountaintop is Israel. On the other mountaintop is the Philistines. Down in the valley is a giant. David begins his journey down to fight the giant on the top of the mountain. I want to ask this question. Do you suppose there might have been a few stones, a few rocks laying around up there? I'm sure there were. I'm sure they were all over the place. But those stones were not the ones that David was looking for. Those stones were probably, well, I'm sure they were dirty. Amen? They were unclean. They were ragged and jagged and rough stones. He doesn't want one of them. He's not going to pick up one of them and use it to take down to silence the voice of the giant. So he starts down the pathway, down to the valley. Do you suppose along the pathway there might have been more stones laying around? I'm sure there were. There had to be numerous stones along the pathway. David passes right by him. Does not even perhaps give him a second glance. He's got a game plan. He knows what he's going to do. He knows what he needs. And he knows where he's going to find it. <laughs> Are you listening to me? He knows exactly where he's going to find the ammunition he needs to go in his sling to silence that giant that's defined the armors of the living God. And he makes his journey all the way down till he comes to a brook. A brook. The location of that brook. Now, I'm sure that you're well aware of this. Brooks or streams or creeks or whatever you want to call them, they always are found in the lowest part of the land. Not up on the mountaintop. They're not up there. The brooks are always in the lowest part of the land. But what about the stones? Where are they? The stones are in the lowest part of the brook. The brook's in the lowest part of the valley, and the stones are in the lowest part of the brick of the brook. Let me say this to you. God's looking for those that are low in spirit. He's not looking for the proud. He's looking for the humble. Those that will humble themselves under the mighty hand of God. And he's down at the brook. And he's about to cross the brook. And he reaches down into the brook and finds five smooth stones. Now I want to question this for a moment or two. 
When did those stones get in the brook? And what does that brook represent? What are we talking about here? We know that that brook, if it's a brook, it's got water in it. Amen? You ever seen a brook that wasn't, didn't have no water in it? You say, yeah, I've seen them. They dried up. No, it wasn't a brook anymore. Amen? It was just a gully. Amen? But there's water. In the Word of God, water is always a, either a type of the Word of God or a type of the Holy Spirit. And these stones are in the brook. They're in the Word. They're under the control of the Holy Spirit. That's where they are. These stones are in the brook. David is looking for some smooth stones. Smooth stones. How did these stones get smooth? I believe at one point in time, they were probably very much like those that I talked about up on the top of the mountain, along the path. They were dirty and rough and ragged and jagged. But somewhere along the way, they got in the brook. How did they become smooth, those rough, jagged, dirty stones? My first church, High Rock Baptist Church, down in Conyers, Georgia. I'd pastor, just been pastoring a short period of time. One Sunday morning, one of my men came up to me, and he said, Pastor, I got a little something I want to give to you this morning. I said, oh, well, thank you. What is it? He handed me a little package. And I opened the package and opened it up. And inside that package was one of the prettiest sets of cufflinks and a tie tack that you'd ever seen. I mean, they were gorgeous. Beautiful, beautiful. Each cufflink had a stone on it that had been polished. And it was beautiful. Had all different kind of colors in it. On the tie tack was another one. I said, whoa, where did you get these? He said, I want to tell you this. There's not another set like them in the world. Not another set like them. I said, how do you know that? He said, because I made it. I made these myself. I said, how in the world did you do this? He said, next time you're over my house, I'll show you. You know what? Didn't take me long to get over to his house. I wanted to see how he made it. I got over there, and uh, he said, come on, go with me. And he took me back in this little room. Over here was a counter, and a counter, on the counter was this machine that was going round and round. It was like a drum laid on its side, and it was turning over and over. It wasn't very big, but he said, you know what's in there? I said, no, what? He said, uh, it's mostly water and grit. He said, that's what I polish my stones in. He said, I opened that up, I put the stones in there, with the water and the grit, I turn it on, and it goes weeks before they get to what they need to be. But he said, when they're finished, they come out just like those stones on your cufflinks. He said, let me show you what they looked like before I did that. He got out a little bag over there, had all kind of stones in it. I guarantee you, they were some of the ugliest stones I've ever seen in my life. I said this morning, I wouldn't even skipped one of them across a lake. Amen. They were that, but he said, that's what they look like when they go in. You stay with me. You stay with me. That's what you look like before God got a hold to you. 
That's what I looked like before God got a hold of me. But God one day got me and he put me in the brook. Amen. In that brook, there's the same things that was in that tumbler. There's water, there's stones, there's sand or grit. And uh, those stones, when they get into that brook, I don't have any idea when those five stones got in the brook. But I know that some point in time, they got in the brook. I don't know how long they'd been in there. I don't know how far they'd journeyed. I don't know how far that brook went back up there and how long they'd been in it, but there had been a process. As the water moved, those rocks, those stones moved. They interacted with the sand and the grit that was in that brook. It was doing something to them. Amen. Let me go back for just a moment. That tumbler that that man had, if he had put the stones in there with just the grit, you know what would have happened to those stones? They would have been destroyed if it was just the grit. If he put them in there with just the water, you know what would have happened? They'd have got clean, but that was it. They'd have never changed shape. That had never been polished. But the combination of the grit and the water is what made those smooth stones. What is grit? It's those things in our life that we would call abrasives. Sandpaper comes in all different kind of grit. The lower the grit number, the coarser the grit. But they're the abrasives. Let me tell you something. The life of the child of God from the time he gets in the brook, not only is he going to be in the water, but he's going to have those abrasives that come in his life. Those things that rub you the wrong way. Those things that hurt you quite often. If you're in there and there's no water, it's going to destroy you. That's the reason why I am so glad that when I got saved, I was saved another brother, Dennis Petty, and he taught me, get in the brook. Get in the Word. Live in the Word. Stay in the Word. Study the Word. Hide the Word in your heart. Stay in the brook. You've got to be in the brook or you're going to be destroyed as a child of God. Get in the book. We're clean by the washing of water of regeneration by the word of God. Wherewith shall the young man cleanse his way by taking heed unto the word of God? But it's in those times in your life when you're going through those times when you're irritated and being attacked and your things are on abrasives in your life. You need to be in the word because the word will soothe you. The word will comfort you. The word is what you're going to have to have. If you're going to be a smooth stone, that thing up there has reached double zeros. Amen. I'm waiting for the trap door. But the pastor told me earlier that I could take as long as I want. When I got saved, just a few weeks after I got saved, the pastor asked me to take the Wednesday night prayer meeting. He was going on vacation. I saved April the 21st. This was the week of July the 4th. I said, preacher, if you feel like that's what you want, I'll do it. I studied, I studied, I studied. I got me an hour and a half message. 
said, you wait till that Wednesday night. I'm going to fix them up. I went in there, and I opened up the Bible, started that hour and a half message, and I preached it in eight minutes flat. <laughs> Since that time, I spent 27 years at Gwinnett Hall Baptist Church. I've been in ministry 49 years. I've learned a lot. Now I can take an eight-minute message and preach it an hour and a half. <laughs> I'm going to move on. We're talking about God needing a smooth stone so that he can kill the giants that are in our land today. What is he looking for? Let me tell you something. He's not looking for them out yonder. He's looking for them in Houston Baptist Church. He's looking for those that come Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night. They're here for Sunday school. They're bathing themselves in the Word of God. They're putting it into their heart. They're growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where God's looking for. He's not looking for them on the mountaintop. He's not looking for them along the pathway down. He's looking for them in the brook. In the brook. In the brook. Well, they've let the water and the grit do the work. And they've been shaped and smoothed and cleansed. And, and they're going to be able to do the job that the shepherd boy needs them to do. Why did David want a smooth stone? Why did he want that? I mentioned this morning, I play at golf. One of the first things that I learned in golf is you don't want to hit a ball that's got a gash in it. That's got something wrong with it. You don't want to try to hit a ball that's got mud or whatever on it. You want one that's clean. Because you can control the flight of it. If it doesn't have those imperfections and that dirt and all. I never learned how to control the flight. But I know one that can control the flight of a smooth stone. Amen. I know the one that can do that. And he wants that stone to be smooth. Why? It doesn't have any resistance to the atmosphere that it's going through. It goes through, and it's not affected by the circumstances around it. It stays on the course that the shepherd boy put it on. It's got to be smooth. It's got to be the right shape to get the job done. So what happens David finds five of them, and he puts them all in his shepherd's bag, the script. That today is not a shepherd's bag, it's a soldier's bag. He nears the giant. He's within striking distance of it, and he reaches into the bag. There's five smooth stones. They've been in the Word. They've been smooth. They've been shaped the way they should. They've been cleansed. Either one of them will do. But he gets one of them, puts it in a sling. Now, let me say this also. I said this morning, and I can do this because I are one of these. Uh, if those had been five independent, fundamental, Bible-believing Baptist preachers, and the shepherd had got one of them out, the other four would have said, that'd have been so jealous you wouldn't have known what to do. Amen. Why didn't he use me? I could have done a better job than that. But they wasn't five independent, fundamental, Bible-believing. They were just five Christians that had let the Word and the water do the job. They had endured the abrasive things, and now they were shaped and smoothed. David put one of them in a sling. 
Guess what happened? It stayed on course. It hit that big old giant right in the middle of his forehead, and he fell forward on his face. Now, I'm not going to develop that. I'm going to give you something to think about. Just see if you can figure something out on your own. He's, the giant is coming toward him. He slings the stone, and the stone hits the giant right in the forehead. And he falls forward. That doesn't seem natural to me. Seems like he ought to fell backwards. I believe there's another controlling force somewhere along in here. Amen. I don't know if this could be. I said I wasn't going to help you, but I'm going to give you a little hint here. Do you suppose somebody could have been behind that giant and <laughs> pushed him right into that snow? I don't know, but I do know he fell forward on his face. The job is done. The job is done. What are the results, the spectacular results? of these stones, this one stone in particular. What's the outcome of this? Let me say, first of all, the giant is killed. The giant is killed. All because of a stone that was slung from a sling by the shepherd boy. The giant is killed. Loyalties are changed that day. You read the passage of Scripture. Those that had been followers of Saul now changed and became followers of David. Loyalties were changed. Can I say something to you this morning? If you'll get in the brook and stay in the brook and let the, the water do the work that it wants to do and then, and, you know, to, you don't enjoy those other things, but... Just let God have his way. Let him mold you and make you and shape you as to what he wanted to do by sending those little things in your life. I'm persuaded as I look back over my ministry that I wouldn't be where I am today had not God shaped me. Some of those things that I went through have helped to mold me into what I am today. Get in that word. Stay in the word. Yes, when those things come, just trust God. Believe that all things work together for the good that love Him, to them that love Him. Just let God do His job on you. The Word and the Holy Spirit get you where you want to be. You can kill some giants. God can use you to stop some giants. He can use you to change some loyalties. You can win folks to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's another thing that took place in this. David is glorified. You read it. They start singing their songs. They give him all the praise, the glory for everything that happened that day. He's glorified. David is glorified. One last thing. One last thing in these results. What is it? The stone is satisfied. The stone is satisfied. It's done its job. It was there to do what the shepherd wanted him to do. You read this passage of Scripture, and I challenge you to find where that stone is ever mentioned again. It's never mentioned again. Why? Because it wasn't the stone that got it done. It was just an instrument in the hands of the shepherd. 
I want to be a vessel sanctified and meet for the master's use. I want to be a smooth stone. I will live my life. And let me tell you this, he's still working on me. I'm not as smooth as I'd like to be. I'd like to be even more so. But I, all, my one purpose in life is I want to be a stone that the master can use. And if he'll just pick me up and put me in the bag, I'll be satisfied just to be in the bag if he never uses me. If he never reaches in and gets me, I'll be satisfied just to be a smooth stone in the shepherd's bag. Are you a stone? Have you been in the book? Have you stayed in the word? Have you allowed God to mold you and make you into what he'd have you to be? So that when the time comes and he needs you, he can put you in his sling and silence the giant. I encourage you this morning, when the invitation is given, come down to this altar. If you've never been saved, you come. Let God get you and put you in the brook. Amen. He'll put you in the brook. You'll get it then. He'll start working on you. He'll make you what he wants you to be. You need to come and trust the Lord as your Savior if you've never been saved. Child of God, would you come and say, Lord, thank you for what you've done already. You've brought me a long ways, but Lord, I want to go a little bit further. I want to come and ask you this morning to help me to immerse myself in that brook, to be submissive under your hand so that you continue to mold me, make me into a smooth stone. Father, take the message and use it for whatever you will. As a pastor comes to give invitation, would you draw folks unto yourself? We'll leave them in your care today and say, thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor. You've heard the challenge to be in the book, to, to be where you're supposed to be so that when God finds you, he can use you. What a wonderful challenge. What a wonderful opportunity to know that we can get in the word and stay and he'll smooth out the rough edges. Thank the Lord for that. I don't know your need today. I, maybe you want to do as Brother Jack said, come down and let us introduce you to the one that can put you in the brook. Maybe you want to come down this morning and thank the Lord for the work he's already done in your life. Whatever your need, the altar's open, the doors of the church are open. Father, I pray you'd use this time of invitation. Father, I pray you'd speak in Jesus' name. Finding myself at a loss for words, and the funny thing is, it's okay. The last thing I need is to be heard. 
Washing my 